So this is The Awakened Soul, poems by Gibran. If you can see only what light reveals and hear only what sound announces, then in truth you do not see nor do you hear. <clears throat> Inspiration will always sing. Inspiration will never explain. Many a doctrine is like a window pane. We see truth through it, but it divides us from the truth. So how do we get liberated? How do we awaken and really know the truth of spirit? How do we know ourselves as divine? How do we know our oneness with God? What did Shakespeare say? To be or not to be? How do we know that beingness? And how do we know when we're not in that being? These are the questions that, in a sense, has plagued mankind. Terrible plague, I know. But it's funny because it's always a question here. In every age, in every time, humanity's always wondered, questioned, quested for, suck, suck, yeah, suck out, seek out. Is that a word? That's a new one. <laughs> Boy, this sucks. All right, we got a new one here, man. Yeah, that's what happens, right? Usually when life sucks enough, we begin to seek out the divine. I love it when I have a slip like that. It's always entertaining. But that's often how it works. It's often when we begin to find ourselves more dwelling in the pain or the suffering of the world. It's often those more dreadful type of negative experiences as we label them that get us to finally seek out and to look in different directions and begin to really question what is this existence? What is this experience that we're having here in this physical world on this planet? And fortunate or unfortunate, it often disturbs us or stirs us in such a way that we do begin to seek out, to, to quest because of that suckiness as we experience it here. But it's really interesting in that because in the seeking, or should we say the negative experiences, we don't realize necessarily that that's actually a wonderful support. Because often without that, we may just continue on in our physical lives, having the experience here, well, without ever questioning or wondering or wanting to know a greater truth than what we just perceive in this world around us. So whatever the stimulation is that stirs that inner longing or seeking out is a good thing. Not to bemoan it or to judge it or to fear it, but also to really begin to acknowledge and to realize that even these things we call evil or bad of the world, that they're actually serving us on our spiritual journeys. Even this physical life we have is part of our spiritual journey and all the experiences we have. It's really funny on this journey because most of you have sucked out different spiritual pathways. I'm going to keep using that word now because I'm having fun with it. Have you, as you have pursued different spiritual pathways, many of you have heard about or learned about detachment or trying to be more in a desireless state. But that often talks about the world, to become desireless or to detach from the physical material world. And we often find ourselves in struggle in how to do that. And it's really funny because another way to look at this is that really 
to begin to pursue the spirit and to really know God, to know that oneness, to know who we are in this big, divine, amazing universe. It takes great desire. In fact, that one true desire is the predominant force that if we don't have that, we're not going to begin to seek out and to discover the greater truth. That kind of contradicts the desirelessness, doesn't it? Or the state of detachment. But not really. Because we want to desire the divine, divine, to desire God, to desire that which is unknown to the physical. And we want to attach ourselves to that. In truth, how do we really even live detachment? How can we even be detached? And that's where we often run into contradiction and find ourselves in struggle and disturbance because we hear all these different words describing these spiritual pursuits or spiritual journeys. And so we often find ourselves as we walk this journey of trying to awaken and know really more the spiritual side of life or the spiritual side of ourselves that we hear all these teachings and it breeds a lot of confusion. But that's often because we don't really understand the greater meaning behind it all. It's often known besides being detached and desireless to move forward. Well, how do we move forward without any desires? Why would I want to do anything unless I had a desire to do it, to pursue it? And that's the challenge. But if we begin to realize what we're talking about, to detach or let go of the desire for the physical material and to begin to move towards the attachment or the desire for spirit, same words, different object, if you want to call it that, of focus, is often what it takes. And that's a simple understanding. This inner journey spiritually in truth is a very simple and practical journey. But we just often find it hard or confusing because a lot of the words tend to contradict. Or when we're so used to focusing in a certain way and now begin to change our focus, that it's such a different experience, we often find ourselves at a loss and not sure how to move forward with this new way. And we often find ourselves now in limbo or feeling stuck, not knowing what to do, inwardly or outwardly. Well, do I give up my physical belongings then to be detached? Is that what that means? Is there something, some kind of a ritual I've got to start doing now? All these doing toning and incantations and dancing around? Is that what it is? Do I've got to go to church every week now? Do I need to start meditating every day? What do I meditate on? How do I meditate? There's so many different ways to meditate. Am I supposed to believe a certain way now and let go of these old beliefs? Or do those certain old beliefs actually support me? And do these new beliefs, how do I know if they're real? How do I know they're true? Just because somebody said so? Just because a book has it written? What do I do? Well, big key on this journey is not having the answer, 
not figuring it out, not getting the information. But it's simply one of experience. Having experience. All the wisdom, all the knowing, all the understanding that we're seeking comes through our own personal experience. Whether it's a physical experience, whether it's an emotional experience, a mental experience, and a spiritual experience. That's how we know. And when we have our own personal experience, then it's no longer in the realm of belief or disbelief. It's beyond belief. Because it's no longer a belief. It's your own experience. So now you know what's true and what's not true. But until you have your own personal experience, do you really know? Do you really know? Or is it just information that you bought into or information you've pushed away because you choose not to because in hearing it or reading it somehow disturbs something inside of you so you don't want any part of it? In other things you hear or read, it stirs something inside of you so you want to participate and have more? We follow these things in ourselves. Well, what is that? Why do we even follow that? And what is that anyway that either draws us towards something or pushes us away? Or sometimes we choose to go ahead and move towards the things that we feel repelled by or we choose to walk away from the things we feel attracted to. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, isn't that a contradiction? Or is it? Is there some greater part of ourselves that is aware of both and all in having the experience all through it all, even as we in our conscious mind level are trying to figure it out, sort through it all, all these contradicting beliefs as well as feelings, because a lot of us follow our feelings. Others of us don't want anything to do with the feelings and we follow our thoughts. Others follow, we follow our imagination, our fantasies. Others just follow the physical stimulation. But then not always. Because what? Because sometimes as we have followed it in the past, we've had experiences, and in those experiences we've learned, in the experiences we like, we want to go back and do more of. The experiences we don't like, we tend to shy away from or avoid because we don't want to have any more of that experience. Pretty practical, isn't it? Not talking about anything mystical or woo-woo here. You see, if you begin to have that approach with your own spirit, a very practical, experiential approach is where you're really going to begin to get the greater benefit and begin to awaken to the truth that is in all things, that greater truth we call God, that greater truth we call loving. Whether you call it your own truth or the truth that exists in all things, it doesn't matter. You're going to discover just through your own experience. And you'll find out it doesn't matter what anybody says. You'll hear some people say and share the same words that describe your truth. 
And you'll hear other people say something completely different that you'll totally disagree with. But yet it's that other person's truth. Or is it their truth? Or is it just their make-believe? Or they just believe it and it's not true? Kind of funny how I'm wording all this, isn't it? Because that's what the world does. Everybody has an opinion. What opinions do we choose to follow? And why do we choose to follow this opinion and not that one? And how come some people follow that one but not ours? What's going on in this crazy, chaotic place? I know, it's interesting. Because we have all these different actions taking place, just physically, but then the feelings and the thoughts we have and all the fantasies or imaginations that we run on everything. No wonder it's confusing. Then eventually, we get so sick and tired and go crazy in our heads and we say, enough? And we just want to get rid of it all? And then all of a sudden, we begin to hear little phrases like, let go, let God. One-pointed focus. Know the divine, know yourself. We have all these cute little phrases. We go, ooh, there must be something there. What is that? And it's nice to have those because it's often in the simple phrases that the greatest, greatest truth or truths reside. They help remind us. Because God is simple. Spirit is simple. It's just love. It's just loving. It's just the movement of life, the movement of consciousness, the movement of spirit, the divine. In all the myriad expressions, sure, but there's only one movement of life itself that is underlying all the myriad expressions. And that's where the simplicity is. That's where the oneness is. And so to move beyond the chaos, the craziness, the suffering, all that we want to get away from, we simply need to focus on that one underlying movement that feeds life into all expression. And that's it. Because that one essence of life is all that we or anything ever needs. Because without it, it ceases to exist. There is no form. There is no expression of that form without that essence of life. Why do we call it living and dead? So we want to begin to look at that which is the living that which gives life to the expression, to the form. So we need to begin to discover how to do that, how to begin to move into the greater knowing of that for ourselves. Not, again, what the words are. That's why I even began the talk before even meditation about there's nothing to do with words. All words do is help give us an understanding or a direction by which we can communicate so we can begin to focus our attention on that which we want to experience. That's all we're doing with words. So words can support us in wonderful ways, 
But words can also get in the way, in a huge way. So we have to ever be watchful of what power we even give to words. You know, we've heard things like the power of the spoken word. Really? Are words really that powerful? Or is it the power that we place into the world, words that make them so powerful? Another one to look at. So what am I saying here? You are that source of power, the divine in you, the soul, the life itself. Without that power, without that essence of life, the words are meaningless. They're nothing. We give them life just as we do this body, just as we do our own thoughts and feelings. We, the soul, the essence of life, bring life to all those expressions. Again, you get what you focus on. So if you focus on the body, you get a lot of physical experience. If you focus on your thoughts, you get a lot of mental experience. If you focus on your emotions, you get a lot of emotional experience. If you focus on the divine, you get a lot of spiritual experience. And on a practical level, depending on how much time and energy you put into any of those pursuits, the more experience you'll have. So if you put time and energy into the pursuit of spirit, the more spiritual experience you will have. We often like to share in here the original meaning of tithing. In here, you never hear share about tithing as giving your money or possessions over to a church or religious organization. We talk about tithing as giving your time to God, giving time to the divine within you. 10%, right? Tithe 10% of your time to the divine within. 10% is 2 hours and 24 minutes. Well, that sounds like a chunk of time, but is it really that much time? Do you have that much time every day to really give to the divine? Well, let me look at my calendar. Yes, you have two hours and 24 minutes. Everybody does. It just is a choice of what we do with our time. Simple as that. That's the simplicity. Oh, I don't have time to spend with God. I don't have time to go within and focus on the divine because I've got my family, I've got my pets, I've got my job. Oh my God, I've got a job. I've got to do that. I don't have time. I've got to work so much. I know, it's a choice. We choose to work, right? No, I have to work. Maybe, maybe not. It's all a choice. Just realize it's all a choice. And it's your freedom to choose that which you want to focus on so that you can have the experience that goes with it. Yes, this world has obligation and have to, and that is what runs the world. So we're going to participate in that as long as we're in this body to some degree or another. But it's still choices to what degree, how much time, how much focus, how much energy we give to any pursuit. But it's up to us, regardless of what other people say. Even me right now, talking about tithing. We're just sharing our experience here. We're not making it a rule or a law. You're supposed to do this and not do that. The only thing we share in here 
is that we just share our own experience and understanding and we just say, take a look. See how it fits. See if you want to pursue it. See if you don't want to pursue it. See if it repels you and you want to get the heck out of here as fast as you can. Or see if it draws you in and you go, ooh, I like that. What is that? Not only the words, I like your words, but what is this I feel? What is this peace or loving? Or maybe it's completely different. Because sometimes in that movement of peace or loving, that is we want to move towards that, there can be another part of our consciousness that gets disturbed. We get scared and fearful. I remember one of the first times I went in college to one of these, what do I want to say, more uh, very strongly Christian-oriented action where you had to believe, you had to be converted, you had to be whatever, and it was being shoved down my throat, and I had to do it a certain way. I know how it made me feel. That made me want to get the heck out of there as quick as I could. And that's part of the experience we all go through, whether it's religious or spiritual or whether it's just relationships with other people or in work or family or friends or just complete strangers. All these things that are put upon us or being tried, tried to be drug out of us. It's so different when we find a place where you can finally just be at peace and be with ourselves and not have to be or do or demonstrate or prove anything to anybody. Oh my God, what would that be like? Where we didn't have any of those dynamics, for lack of better words, without those dynamics running inside of us or outside of us, where we're always feeling pushed around, what would it be like to not have those and just really be at peace. None of that going on. What would you do? What would you do with your time? What would you do with your energy? What would you pursue? You're going to pursue the very thing that you desire the most. That's what you're going to do. I don't need to tell you that. Look at what you're doing already. You're doing it because you want to or you feel like you have to. And maybe a few other reasons in there. But I'm going to go back to what I was saying a few minutes ago. A huge key on this journey, the same as any other journey, without that desire to know the truth, to know the divine, to know God, to know spirit, to know loving, to know peace, to know whatever you want to call it, you're not going to do it. But if you do have that, you're not going to stop doing it. So what I'm sharing with you now is something that has been taught through the ages by any true spiritual teacher or pathway. And it's often called the soul's longing to be home with God. The soul's longing, the longing to be back in that oneness, to be reunited in the divine. To no longer have this experience of separation, of asleepness, of unknowing, of darkness. To begin to know the other side of that separation in the darkness. The longing to return to the divine. 
That longing exists within every soul that God created. But it's just a matter of when does that longing reawaken? That's all it is. When does it reawaken? Because it will one day. Not necessarily when we die from the physical. But there will be a day at some point in the soul's journey throughout all of existence, throughout all of creation, that it will once again want to return back into the divine from which it's come.